right, we're going to jump in this evening. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to watch last Wednesday, uh, let me encourage you to do so. Um, it, it hopefully will open up some things to you. And if you want a study sheet from last Wednesday, I do have a few left. Um, okay. Uh, so I will uh, get you that. We'll give, and I'll have some take-home sheets for tonight too. Um, so I've been trying to do that, uh, especially with this series, um, because there, well, at least the parts that I'm teaching, because there's a lot in it. And so last week we looked at our salvation based on the blood covenant from the Old Testament. And uh, so when we looked at the blood covenant from the Old Testament, we saw that it really wasn't about this bloodlust that God had. It was really a picture of what we get in salvation. And, and so we looked at the blood covenant uh, compared to what we get out of salvation. And so I want to just continue looking at Now, I made a statement last week, and I've thought on it all week, and some people may not understand what I meant by it. And so I want to... Uh, clarify. And one thing I said was that Jesus did not come to do away with the old covenant. Now he did not come to do away. And because that's that's a big teaching that the old covenant's dead. When I'm talking about, if I, most, most of the time, if we look at someone and we say, uh, well, tell me about the old covenant. The first thing they want to tell you about is Mosaic law. The law was not the covenant. Jesus' new covenant came to do away with the law. But it, Galatians told, told us, like we, we looked at last week, in Galatians, Jesus put us back beyond the law, past the law, into the Abrahamic covenant. So when I say old covenant, I'm still talking about the Abrahamic covenant, not the law. But with most believers today, they think that the old covenant is the law. The old covenant is not the law. The law was given to a rebellious nation. Okay? It was given to a rebellious nation, the nation of Israel. Which means for us to go back and try to live under that, we're not even, nationality-wise, we don't even fit into that. I'm telling you, this right here will free some of you if you'll just catch it. Nationality-wise, we don't fit in that old law. Okay, it was written to a rebellious nation. It was so not holy that when you had the Ark of the Covenant, the only laws that went into the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. There was an outer pocket on the Ark of the Covenant that held Moses' law because Moses' law, and which is what most people are still trying to live under, Moses' law wasn't holy enough to get into the ark. Why? Because it was given to control a rebellious people who kept breaking covenant with God. Mm. And so when I say that God didn't do away with the old covenant, I'm not talking about the law. He fulfilled the law. And in him, we fulfill the law. Okay? So in, in the old covenant, is when he takes us back, and like I say, you can read Galatians and he tells you that we have been taken back to Abraham. We are of Abraham's seed. And so today, what I want to look at is why a new covenant. So if we still have the Abrahamic covenant that we can live under, the blessings of Abraham, uh, why, then, then, why then do we uh, have a new covenant? Why did God see it, see it necessary for us to establish, and for him to establish, I should say, with us, a new covenant. Tonight we are going to dive into Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and 10. There's only two other scriptures that we're going to look at tonight that do, that do not come from, those, from that set of scriptures. Seven, Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and 10. And we'll look at two other scriptures that don't come from those scriptures, Okay. So if you just hang your Bibles out in that area. Now, like I said, there will be a take-home sheet. If you're online watching, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, if you're following on version on the app, 
There's a link to the take-home sheet on there. You can click it and get it as well. So we've got you covered. You can take this stuff home and study it out for yourself. Amen? So why a new covenant? Why a new covenant? Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. And everything I'm reading tonight is the modern English version. It's just the one I like. Um, For the law is a shadow. Again, the new covenant replaced the law. Okay? That's That's what it was for. So the law is a shadow of the good things to come. So in other words, when God gave the law, it was still a shadow of what was to come in salvation through the new covenant. So a law is a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things. So it could never, hear me here, it could never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year after year perfect those who draw near. So why do we have a new covenant? Well, we have a new covenant because the sacrifices of the old covenant are insufficient to accomplish what God needed to accomplish in our salvation. So when we look at a new covenant, we, the first thing we understand there is they, they would go in year by year under the law. The priest would go in year by year and he would first offer a sacrifice for his own sin then he would offer a sacrifice for your sin. So if you were a, a, an Israelite, that's what you would do. He would go in, he made sure he was cleansed by a sacrifice, and then he would go in. But the thing about it is, that had to be done every year. In other words, it never took away your sin. See, the sacrifice of the old covenant never did away with sin. It could only cover our sins for a year, and I don't know about you, but being, that's like taking a bath once a year. Eventually, you're going to smell again. And, and, and that's what you have in the, in the old covenant, in the, in the old law, is every year that you would have to go back. Now, go to verse 2. You would have to go back to a priest so that he could offer a sacrifice for you because the sacrifice of last year wasn't good enough anymore. The, why, the reason why we, one reason why we have a new covenant is the old law sacrifices weren't good. They're insufficient. Verse 2. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers once purified would no longer be conscious of sin. He said, so there would be no need to continually offer a sacrifice because the, those who were worshipped, they would have no more consciousness of sin. So the law, what it did is it kept people conscious of sin. Mm. It reminded every year you had this reminder that you stink. That you have sin. That you need cleansed. And so those sacrifices could never be enough. There had to be a new covenant or else... This would, we would still be doing this, Galen, still trying to get clean, still trying, still having a sin consciousness. He said, or else they would still be conscious of sin, verse 3. But those sacrifices, there is an annual reminder of sin. Those sacrifices didn't remind you of salvation. Those sacrifices didn't remind you of purification. They reminded you of sin. They reminded you that you hadn't reached where you needed to reach with God yet. Verse 4. Now, I love this. Why we have a new covenant? Because the old covenant was not, the old law sacrifices were not sufficient. Verse 4. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. We had to have a new covenant because if we just continued in this same ritualistic cycle, every year it would come up, well, oh yeah, I'm not clean. 
It's a constant reminder that you weren't good enough. It's a constant reminder that you were separated from God. It was a constant reminder that something had to come and cleanse you for a little while, but eventually, because you are so bad, and you are not good enough, that you're going to have to go through it again. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Flip back one, maybe two pages. I don't know how your Bible's written. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 13. For if the blood, Hebrews 9, 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies so that the flesh is purified, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself The sacrifice offered himself. Not one bull ever volunteered for its job. Not one heifer, not one goat, not one dove. None of those volunteered themselves a sacrifice. But he said, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer and the sprinkling for them, so that the flesh, what did it cover? It covered the flesh. But sin was a deeper thing than what happened in the flesh. Come on. See, those, those sacrifices in the old, they covered, they purified the flesh. So if those blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer and the sprinkling for the unclean purified the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience? From dead works to serve the living God. See, the blood of Jesus, we had to have a new covenant because the old sacrifices weren't good enough because they they just covered my flesh for a while. But Jesus decided he was going to go deeper into the very sin consciousness that man carried and his blood was enough to even cleanse not only our flesh but to cleanse our conscience. Well, then why do I still think the things I do? Because you're not, you're not operating under the covenant. You don't have to be conscious of sin. Hear me. You do not have to be conscious of sin. I got to stay on top of it. I got to stay on top of it. Yeah, if you were under the law, you had to stay on top of it. See, that's what the law did. It kept you in a bondage to a sin consciousness. But when Jesus came offering himself, his blood was enough to cure and to take away and cleanse your conscience. That's why, why do you think repentance is called metanoia? To change the mind. That's what salvation is. It's when we change our mind and we decide to start thinking and being and believing of ourselves what God says about us. Not what some law who always showed me I would never measure up. The new covenant had to happen because the old sacrifices weren't enough. But here's the thing. Jesus' sacrifice is more than enough. Go to verse 23. Same chapter, Hebrews 9, 23. It was therefore necessary that replicas of heavenly things be cleansed with these sacrifices. In other words, what you saw in the old temple, everything that they played out, they were just a replica of what was actually in heaven. God, When God gave them the temple, he said, I am going to set up exactly how it looks in heaven. And he said, and everything you're doing is a replica of what's eternal. Because I'm going to lead you into an eternal salvation. Oh, come on. He said, everything was done as a replica of heavenly things. Be cleansed with these sacrifices. Verse, still in verse 23. But that the heavenly things themselves be cleansed 
cleansed, cleansed with better sacrifices than these. He said what's in heaven is going to be cleansed the same way it was acted out here. But in heaven there is coming a time when there's one sacrifice. And there's one instance where everything that was played out. See, when Jesus appeared in the garden and Mary ran to him and he said, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended. What he was talking about is he had not yet gone into heaven to cleanse heaven. See, you couldn't, the, when the high priest entered into the, into the Holy of Holies, he cleansed himself completely. He had to be clean and you couldn't touch him because he had to go in and make a sacrifice for you and pour the blood of the animal that was just sacrificed for you on the mercy seat. When Mary tried to touch him, he said, don't touch me yet. Because what he was in the process of doing was carrying his own blood so that what was presented on earth, he was carrying it into heaven and so that there everything would be cleansed forever. Now it's, yeah, thank you. Now it's not that, it w that heaven was dirty, but it had to be played out. It was the same principle. That's why what was on earth was a replica. It's a shadow. You hear... Pastor Ted all the time talk about shadows. This is what he's talking about. Whew. Verse 24. For Christ did not enter the holy place made with hands. Mary told Mary, don't touch me. I'm going to the Father. Why? He was taking his blood into the holy place that was in heaven. Remember, the temple was a replica of heaven. Oh, come on. He was taking his blood which are patterned after the true one, into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Our sacrifice spilled its blood, then carried its own blood into heaven and in front of God himself poured his, that actual blood onto the mercy seat so that not would we ever have to worry about being covered by the blood. We are completely cleansed and even our conscience. There had to be a new covenant so, a, so the better sacrifice would play out exactly what he had been showing them. It was never about this bloodlust. It was never, it was about this. What you see going on here is one day going to happen in heaven. And not only will sin be cleansed, it'll be completely removed and completely overthrown and completely done. Oh, glory. Into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. He did it for us. Verse 25, nor did he enter into often, enter to offer himself often. Remember, in the old law, how often did they sacrifice a bull, goat, cow, whatever? Year after year. He says he's not doing this year after year. He didn't have to go. Why? Because the perfect blood. Offering from the perfect sacrifice. Oh, he offered himself as the most high priest. We'll get into that in a minute. Enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. See, the high priest entered into blood with blood that was not his own. When Jesus walked into heaven carrying his own blood. See, not only did we have a new covenant because the old sacrifices weren't enough, but the new covenant has a better priest. We'll cover that in a minute. We had to have a better priest. He went into heaven as our high priest, standing in the presence of God on our behalf, just like what would happen in the old temple. And he offered the blood of the perfect sacrifice. And it was so good that it wasn't having to be done year after year after year. And every time, you, he said, no, this, will, this is enough to not only cleanse them, this is enough to clear their conscience. So why are we so sin conscious? 
we're still conscious of our past, conscious of everything we've done wrong, everything. Why? Because we're not operating in the new covenant. When we operate in the new covenant, he actually removes it from your conscience. Oh, goodness. There had to be a new covenant to replace the law. Verse 26. Every year he went into the high place, not with his own blood. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the world was created. He would have had to die every, every year. Jesus would have had to die every year. If he was a normal high priest, a normal sacrifice, every year this would have had to happen. Since how long? Since the world was created. But now, he has appeared once. At the end of the ages, look what he did. To put away sin by sacrificing himself. Oh, we miss that one. John, we miss that. We're so worried about sin and sin under this rock and sin under that rock and sin over here and sin over there and sin over there. Why are we worried about what God has put away? He said, he put away sin. Well, then why do people still sin? Because they're not living in the new covenant. Because when we live in the new covenant, we're not even conscious of sin anymore. Well, we have to always be conscious of sin. Not according to scripture, says it cleans our consciousness. Come with me. I think that we have missed the boat on how big this salvation is. I think we've missed the boat on how complete it is. I think we've missed the boat on how perfect it is. But when we read the scripture, he said he entered in, appeared once at the end of the ages to put away sin by offering, by sacrificing himself. Verse 27. As it is appointed unto man. We use this scripture all wrong. You all realize that. This scripture is not talking about humanity at all. Well, you know, we, we try to comfort each other with this, Ted. It's appointed unto man once to die. He wasn't talking about humanity. He was, yeah, actually he was. He was talking about humanity in Jesus. This had nothing to do with us. This is all talking about Jesus' sacrifice. It was appointed unto mankind in Christ once to die. Oh, do you, are you with me? It was appointed. We did die. It's already done. Death has even been defeated in the life of the believer. So I don't have a sin conscious? Don't have to. And sin has been completely taken care of let me tell you this, it's been completely taken care of for everybody. They're just not living in the new covenant. Jesus doesn't have to die over and over again. Once and for all, he appeared to God for us. To put away sin. See, it is appointed unto man once to die and after this comes the judgment. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean he's not talking about he's wanting to judge me? He judged Jesus. Re read this in context of where this verse fits. Jesus walks in carrying the perfect blood sacrifice as our high priest and God puts away sin and he has already judged. Quit looking for some future judgment. It's already been done. It's appointed unto man wants to die. Well, he's talking about, no, he, in, you read that in context. He's not talking about any other person but Jesus. Mm. So Christ, it is appointed unto man wants to die, and after this, the judgment, comma, so Christ. That tells you right there, he's talking about Jesus, not us. Quit trying to scare people into following God. You know, you're going to die one day. The Bible says, oh, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment, you're going to judge and face God. Wasn't talking about man. Quit using it on men. 
Oops. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to save those who eagerly wait for him. Why don't he have to bear sin again? Because sin's already been dealt with. What's he coming to do? He's coming to say, hey, let's build a new kingdom together. Let the new Jerusalem come and sit down on the earth. Come and rule and reign with me. (laughs) Jesus entering into heaven. The sacrifice of Jesus not only takes away sin, it cleanses sin and it cleanses our conscience. So the new covenant had to come because the old sacrifice wasn't good enough. The new, why do we have a new covenant? Because the new covenant, and we already covered this for just a minute, has a better priest. The new covenant has a better priest. We already looked. The priest here on earth had to go in with blood that wasn't his own, cleanse himself before he entered in because he wasn't worthy to enter into that holy place. God took us, remember folks, God took us past the law and put us in the covenant of Abraham. in, in In the law, which the Israelites made that their covenant, Didn't have to, but they did. And like I said, you ask any believer today about the old covenant, the first thing they want to quote to you is the law. That's not a covenant. That's a law. The new covenant came to replace that law anyhow. Oh, glory. It was men who were priests. Go to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, I get a lot of questions about this chapter. I can answer these questions completely. This is a direct reference back to the Abrahamic covenant. when, When Abraham first talked to Melchizedek, it was a shadow of our relationship with Christ and our covenant and the covenant we live in now. Verse 1. Hebrews 7 verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, you need to remember that, priest of of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So remember from last week, who initiates a covenant? The stronger. So Melchizedek initiated the covenant with Abraham. To him, Abraham also gave a tenth of everything. So he paid a tithe. In in the first place, now, people ask all the time, who was Melchizedek? Well, this scripture answers who Melchizedek was. You don't have to guess who Melchizedek was. It's not a mystery. He said, who was he? He said, in the first place, his name is translated king of righteousness. Just that right there should tell you who Abraham was dealing with. His name was translated King of Righteousness. And then he also is the King of Salem, which is Salem, which means peace. So he was not only was the King of Righteousness, which he was the King of Salem, which is the King of Peace. So we got the king of righteousness. He's also the king of peace. Who do you think Abraham was dealing with? He's dealing with God. See, this is why Galatians says we were taken back to the Abrahamic covenant, the blessings of Abraham. This is a covenant with God, not a covenant with a law. Oh, come with me. It's a covenant with God, not a covenant with a law. We'll get into it more. Look what it says else it says about Melchizedek. He was without father, without mother, no descendant, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. Wait a minute. He has no beginning. He has no end. He has no father. He has no mother. He has. Who does this sound like Abraham was dealing with? 
God has always intended for us to enter into that Abrahamic covenant because it's always been meant for us to live in. The law meant nothing. Jesus fulfilled it. But people have still, and yet today, Pastor Ted and I was talking in my office this morning, yet today, you ask people about the old covenant and they want to take you to the law. Got to live by that law. Why? The, the ones it was written for, Linda, couldn't even live by it. Shh, come on. He was without father, without mother, without descent, neither having a beginning of days or end of life, but was made like the Son of God. He continually remains a priest. Means he's lived forever and he's still a priest. So now we know who Abraham made a covenant. See, we had to have a new covenant to do away with the law because the old priest wasn't good enough. They had to cleanse their own sin. They had to take care of their own sin first. And then they went in to offer sacrifice with blood from bulls and goats. It wasn't even their, their blood. We needed a new covenant because the old priest wasn't good enough. There had to be a better priest. The new covenant has the better priest. Verse 7. Skip down to verse 7. Well, why are you skipping? Because we go back to the rest of them later. Without question, the inferior is blessed by the superior. We talked about that last week. So Melchizedek initiated this covenant. Verse 11. If perfection were obtained, were attained through the Levitical priesthood, for through it people received the law. So see, the old priesthood brought the law. <laughs> they brought a reminder of sin. But the new priest wasn't going to bring you a reminder of sin. He was going to do away with sin. We needed a better priest. Mm. If perfection were attained through Levitical priesthood, for through it people received the law, what further need would there be for another priest that should rise in the order of Melchizedek? In other words, if what men did was good enough, we wouldn't have needed another priest like Melchizedek. Rather than established the order, in the order of Aaron, verse 12. For a change in the priesthood necessitates a change in the law. Why did we need a new covenant? Because when we changed priests, there was a brand new law written. And it was a law that's written on, the, on your heart. And it was a law that God put in you. And it was a law that not covers your sin, but completely eradicated your sin. It was a law that doesn't remind you of sin. It cleanses your consciousness of even of sin. There had to be a change in the law, so that necessitated a change in priests. Verse 15. This is far more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who becomes a priest not by law pertaining to ancestry, but by power of an endless life. Tells us right there who that is. Jesus, the one who says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one, he says, tear down this temple and in three days I'll rebuild it. We had a new priest who rose like Melchizedek. Why? He's the same person. And he is going to make an eternal covenant with you and I. Verse 16. Oh, verse 17, sorry. For he testifies, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 20. And he was not made a priest without an oath. Verse 21, the other priests were made without an oath, but this one with an oath by the one 
who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever. So when he stood in front of God with his own blood, there was a decree that came out. said, you will be forever their priest. Forever you will be their priest. For he ever makes intercession. Come on, put the scriptures together. He makes intercession forever for you and I. An eternal priest. There had to be a new covenant because the old priest just couldn't get it cut. Verse uh, 23. And the former priests were numerous because they were hindered from serving because of death. In other words, they all died. Therefore, he is able to, oh, glory to God, this should make you shout. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him because he at all times lives to make intercession for them. A forever priest and he will always save to the uttermost. There's not a little salvation. It doesn't you get a little and then you grow into it. No, it is one big giant ball of grace. It is one big giant ball of salvation and he said I'm going to plunge you so deep this is a new covenant. <clears throat> you don't have to come back here year after year and keep confessing. <clears throat> Glory. Therefore he is able, verse 25, to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. That's you. That's me. We come to God through him. Because he at all times lives to make intercession for them. For such 26, for such a high priest was fitting for us. For he is holy, innocent, undefiled, separate from sinners. And is higher than the heavens. Unlike those high priests, he does not need to offer daily sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. He did this once for all when he offered up himself. Once for all. They're all covered. Well, why don't they all have it? Because they're just not walking in this new covenant. That's our job. Ministry of Reconciliation saying, hey, the party started. Let's go. Get in. It's already here. We needed a better priest. So God provided a better priest. Why did we need a new covenant? Not only was the first sacrifices insufficient, not only did we need a new, a new priest, but the new covenant has better promises. Hebrews chapter 8. Quit that. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Isn't this fun? Yeah. I'm telling you, salvation is huge. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. But now, when? Now. He has obtained a more excellent ministry because he is the mediator of a better covenant which is established on better promises I'm telling you quit talking about the old covenant and looking at the law as if it was the covenant we lived under it was not the covenant that we lived under he, he, he took us back and gave us the blessings of Abraham when Melchizedek blessed him Verse 7, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then there would no occasion have been sought for a second. For finding fault with them, God says, surely the days are coming, says the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. The ministry of Jesus and his covenant surpasses the law. 
This new covenant is, this new covenant promises. Oh, are you with me? I need you to hear this. The old, co- the old law, its blessings were only based on obedience. Do this, do this, do this, receive this, this, and this. Well, nobody could do that. So God, like we looked at last week, in an exchange of outer garments, wrapped himself in humanity so that he could do that for humanity. That means he's not expecting you to do it anymore. You already did it in him. So those old laws is you do this, this, and this. But the new covenant with its new promises are not based on anything you do. It's based on what he did. Oh, come on. It's not based on your good works or else you could brag about it. Is that not what scripture tells us? It's not of works lest somebody says, look how good I made myself. Look how I saved myself. Look how I done it myself. He said, no, you're not good enough to do it yourself. So I'll do it for humanity. And all humanity do has to do is ride my coattails. Our, our blessings are no longer based on strict obedience. They're based on the obedience of one who has already done it. The new covenant Promises are not dependent on human obedience because the human already obeyed it. They're based on the finished work of Christ. Man, what a big salvation. I'm telling you, when we start grasping this, folks, I hope that it causes us to say, maybe I've been believing wrong about salvation this whole time. All right, one of the two scriptures outside of Hebrews 7 through 10. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I don't know about y'all, but I'm having a blast. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Deuteronomy 30, 15. I'll hold. I still hear pages. You're spoiling people. <laughs> Deuteronomy 30, 15. He said, see today I've set before you life and prosperity and death and disaster. What I'm commanding you today is to love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments so that you may live and multiply. You see how all the blessings were based on obedience. This is the law. We still, as believers, try to think that this is covenant. Pastor Ted's going to talk about this more next week. If he don't, he better. Okay. We still try to live like this is covenant. The old law was based on sheer obedience. He said, so that you may live and multiply. Then the Lord your God will bless you in the land you go to possess. Now go to, back to Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to look at the difference between obedience in the law and promise in the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. And only one more time tonight will I come out of Hebrews 7 to 10. I promise. I'm sitting here going through my notes. Hebrews chapter 10. Chapter 8, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. See, he's replacing that law with a covenant. Hear me. He's replacing that law with a covenant. Then he grafts us in. Hey, Galen, have you ever grafted a tree? You seen your grandpa do I, I have too. After a while, when they take off that wrapping, can you tell where the old tree and the new tree was? They grew together. When he grafted us into the new covenant, 
Oh, glory. We have full rights to this covenant now because of what Jesus did. He says, so this is the law I'll make with the children of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds. Well, how can he put his law into his minds? Because he cleansed our conscience. I'll put my law into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest. For I, verse 12, it gets better. For I will be merciful. These are better promises. I will be merciful toward their unrighteousness. And their sin and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Verse 13, in speaking of a new covenant, he has made the first one old. Now that which is decaying and growing old. Now he's talking about the law here. That which is decaying and growing old, ready to vanish away. The new covenant offers unconditional promise of forgiveness and relationship with God. Where the old law reminded us of our sin, the new covenant brought us in to the presence of God. He is re- <laughs> He's ready to save to the uttermost this high priest. We've already looked at this. The old was based on obedience. The new was based on his obedience. And the law always kept us out here with God, but the new covenant draws us in to a relationship with God, man, a new covenant. So not only was the sacrifices insufficient, the priest, there needed to be a new priest. There's a better promise in the new covenant. The next thing is there's a better hope in the new covenant. The new covenant offers hope where the law offered a maybe. Go to Hebrews chapter seven, verse 18. See, this is one of the ones we skipped. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18. Just flip back a couple pages. For there, is, for there is then an annulling of the previous commandment due to its weakness and uselessness. Ooh. What's he saying about the law there, Pastor Ted? What? It was too weak and it was useless. Because it only pointed to Christ. The new covenant is Christ. The new, old law pointed us towards Christ and said, hey, look, he's over there. The new covenant grafted us in and made us one with Christ. The old was useless and weak. Verse 19, for the law made, see, how do you know he's talking about the law? Because it says right here. <laughs> For the law made nothing perfect, but now a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. The old was useless, but a new covenant was introduced and a better hope because now, see, our hope of salvation is the old law kept us at odds with God. It caused us to continually have a sin consciousness, but the new covenant causes us to draw near to God. It is our hope. The law did not provide salvation. It only highlighted our need for a savior, but the new covenant offers genuine hope of true relationship with God. Amen. Mm. Here, you ready for the second one? Colossians. <laughs> Chapter 1. Nope, it's not far. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 27. To them, God would make known. Colossians 1, 27. To them, God would make known what is the glorious riches of this mystery among the nations. It is Christ. In you, the hope 
of glory. The new covenant was needed because we needed a better hope. And the hope that we got was Christ in us. It's the hope of glory. Oh my goodness. It is, salvation is so much richer. <laughs> this is the result of the new covenant. Christ in you. That's the hope of all glory. Go back to Hebrews 7. Let's go down to another one we skipped. If we go to verse 25. Hebrews 7, verse 25. We read this one, I think. Yeah, we did. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost. That's the hope of glory. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him because he at all times lives to make intercession. The law did not provide salvation but highlighted the need for a savior. The new covenant offers genuine hope in relationship with God. And Jesus, as our eternal high priest, provides a complete salvation. Your salvation is complete. And these reasons that we looked at tonight are why we needed a new covenant. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. I thank you and I praise you and I love you, Father. And Father, let me continually be reminded of this great salvation. Let me continually be open and reminded of what you have done in us and what you're doing in us and what you'll continue to do and make known to us. Salvation is so much bigger than I ever thought. In Jesus' name, amen.